Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. I'm not the exception to the rule. These things can happen to anyone. So once you have that mindset, then you can be more aware. And I teach in my course about the five levels of awareness. And so kind of a quick little tip, quick little tip on this is I teach awareness in terms of like driving a stick shift. So you're going to be in neutral most of the time of your awareness level. Now, there are definitely times and places where women are more vulnerable. So you need to upshift your awareness. So for example, you're walking out to your curb at 5am to take out your garbage can. It's pitch black. You need to upshift your awareness. You need to look around, make sure no one's out there, be a little more aware, take your garbage out, get back in your car. Then you shift back to neutral. You're safe. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Robin, welcome to Sheep. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. I was just telling you off air, but for everyone else's context, I came across Robin on Instagram a few weeks or months ago at this point. And I immediately sent her profile to my podcast manager and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have her on the show. So I am excited to get to chat with you today, Robin, and just, I'm really looking forward to everything you're going to share. Even just the snippet that I saw online, I just knew that this was something we as women need to hear about and learn about. Um, But before we dive into all the more tactical questions that I want to ask you, I'd love if you can share a little bit of your background. What sparked your passion for self-defense and what led you to create your own online self-defense and safety program. Like, I'd love to hear all, I mean, I know the story, at least some of it, because I saw it online, but I'd love if you can share that with our community before we dive in. Yeah, I would love to. So I have been teaching self-defense for the past 13 years, and I got into it because I actually had a pretty horrifying experience, um, which I will share with you guys next. And that it just really catapulted me into self-defense. And I have just had this burning passion and urgency to talk with every woman and girl who will listen about how to keep ourselves prepared and safe. And I just, I think it's just so, 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 so important and very under talked about. So that's kind of what I do in a, you know, also I'm a mother of four young children, full-time mom and a full-time entrepreneur of um, three other companies. And so I, I am busy, but my my biggest passion is women safety. And so I'm so happy to be talking about it. Um, the way I got into it, like I shared earlier, was I was a young 18, almost 19 year old down at college here in Utah. I'm from Utah. And I was born in a very safety conscious family. Like my mom always locked our doors. We always used the buddy system. She taught us, you know, about potential threats and predators. And so I feel like I came from a place of maybe more safety education than than the average person per se, almost to the point that I almost was a little paranoid sometimes. Um, and so I was, I was at college. I had just moved out of my parents' house and moved four hours away. And I liked to go running. And I was dancing for my college university team. And they actually had... Um, we had to run a certain amount of miles each week for our fitness program. And I had actually never ran alone because I, I was, my mom was always like, you know, you shouldn't run alone, run with a buddy. So I asked my roommate to come running with me and she said she would. So we got home from school around noon on a nice February day. And 
she was like, Hey, something came up. I can't come running anymore. And I was like, you know what? No big deal. I am almost 19 years old. I am grown up. I can run by myself. Like people run by themselves all the time. Like that's not, that's not uncommon, you know? And so I was like, I'll just go by myself. So I got ready a little differently that day. And I was running, I was planning on running on a paved trail through the town that I lived in. It was a public trail. It was actually fairly new. So it wasn't overgrown. There hadn't been any accidents or anything dangerous happening there that I knew about. It was a really safe place. I had been there several, several times. And um, so I got ready that day and the trail, it goes through the city for several miles and then it ends kind of heading up into the canyon. Um, but not like I was like running in the woods, like again, paved trail, there's a Creek in between it. And on the other side is the main highway. So there's cars that you can be seen the whole time. So I got ready and I walked to the trail by my house and I started running and I realized I had forgotten my cell phone, which was really unusual. Cause I always used my cell phone to listen to music. And I was like, ah, dang it. I don't have any music today. Whatever. I'll just get this run over with. So I keep running. I'm really aware. I see that there's tons of people on the trail that day. I made note in my head, like there's a grandma with a dog. Here's a, you know, girl, my age, I was actually being really aware. And I kept having that feeling like, go home and get your cell phone, go home and get your cell phone. And I kept being like, no, I'm not going to get my cell phone. And it like stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, you need to go home and get your cell phone. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to finish this run without music. It's not a big deal, but I don't know why I feel so strongly about this. Like I turned around, started walking home. And I remember thinking like, why do I need my cell phone? Maybe it's because this boy that I really liked in college, maybe he was trying to contact me. I couldn't, I couldn't make any sense of why I needed it. So I walked back to my house, grabbed my phone, realized the cute boy I had liked had texted me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's why I need my cell phone. <laughs> and I almost didn't go back on the trail because I was like, already like walks five miles. But I was like, no, I better go back. I got to finish my miles. I don't want to disappoint my coach. So I get back to the trail. And this time when I got there, Again, tons of people on the trail, but I, I did not feel the same as I did the first time. I felt really nervous, kind of anxious about it. And I started running again and I, I had this very specific thought and it's so like, it's always funny to tell, but I, I was like, what would you do if a wild horse ran down and trampled you? And the reason I thought that was because the week before I was there with all my roommates, a horse had run down the trail like a wild horse mm -hmm. and it like spooked us. And we were like, what the heck? Like that, that could have been dangerous. Like mm -hmm. this horse was just like charging at us. And so I was like, what, what would you do if this if a horse ran back again? And so I, I was running and I came around the corner and I saw this, I, like there was like a whole bunch of trees. It was like on a bend. And I saw this figure coming really fast and I thought it was a horse. So I jumped into the bushes, like off the trail to kind of hide. And the thing came around the corner. It was just a kid on a longboard. He saw me like laying in the bushes and he got off his longboard. He's like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. That was so embarrassing. What? I don't know why I'm laying in these bushes. We exchanged <laughs> names. I was literally like mortified. I was like, Robin, pull yourself together. Oh my gosh. Like you are an anxious mess. Anyways, he's like, my name's Casey. I was like, my name's Robin. He helped me up. And then he's like, are you sure you're cool? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm so sorry. That was weird. And he went on his way. And I actually, we were, the, the trail has different parks, every, excuse me, every few miles. And I saw him get in his car and drive away. And I remember being like, oh my heck, Robin, pull it together. Like you are so anxious right now. Like, what is your problem? It's the middle of the day in the safest town in Utah. There's people on this trail like you. You need a, I was like, I had this like inner conflict in my head of being like, you know, logic versus like my intuition. Cause in my intuition was like yelling at me, like something's going to happen. You shouldn't be here. Turn around. But like logic was like, you're fine. It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. There's people on the trail. So I was getting close to being done with my run and I came around the corner. I ran for about another 15 minutes after that. And I saw this man walking down the trail and immediately I was alerted that something was up. And I was like, what the heck is this guy doing? Cause it's, it was like 90 degrees outside. And he was wearing a beanie, a big backpack, a big coat, big pants, cargo boots. And immediately I was like, it's hot outside. Why is he dressed like that? Like he doesn't look like he's exercising like the rest of us on this trail. But then my logic is like, wow, that was really judgmental, Robin. He's just probably hiking on the trail. Like, why are you, you know, why are you judging this person just by the way they look? And so I was just having this inner, inner battle. And so I kept running. And as I got closer, he was coming down the trail. I was going up. 
we crossed paths and I looked, I turned and looked over at him and I looked right into his eyes. And I remember just feeling immediately like sheer bad feelings, panic. Mm -hmm. This is not good. And they say like, you can see a man's soul through his eyes. I knew immediately something was going to happen just by looking at him. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out my earphones and I obviously happened pretty quick. I'm running, he's walking. So I passed him. I pull out my earphones. I turn around to see what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he had flipped around and I was like, Oh my gosh, he's following me. So I, I start running a little faster. I flip my head around again. And he starts to jog and I'm like, he's following me. But then logic is like, or he's running on the trail. Mm. Like logic was just like, there's no way he's going to hurt you. There are people all over this trail. There's cars driving by. Mm -hmm. But my intuition was like, no, like he is. Mm. So all this is happening really quickly. And I come around to the end of the trail and I actually knew the trail ended. Like I said, it was a newer trail. It ended there and I had nowhere to go. So I flipped around and and to my right was like a 15 foot drop off into like this river that ran between the trail and the highway. And to my left, it, it started kind of getting sage brushy and woodsy. Like he, he was at the, he knew that that was the perfect spot to do something like this because it was like the one spot that was a little more overgrown, a little more secluded. So I flipped around and I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I can't climb like down into this river. I can't, you know, turn and run in through these bushes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run as fast as I can back towards him down the trail. I'm going to cross my fingers that I just freaked myself out, that I'm just anxious and like, I'm going to run right past him. Nothing's going to happen. So I get ready to run and I have the feeling to call 911. And I'm like, why would I call 911? Like I was raised when my mom was like, I think I called 911 a lot when I was a kid or something because I was taught like, you never call 911 unless your arm's cut off or someone's dead, you know, like you just, I must have called all the time because my mom was always getting on me for calling 911. So I was like, I'm not going to call 911. Like nothing's happened to me, but it was, I had just had the feeling like call it right now. So I, I dialed 911. I pressed send. I didn't even wait to see if it had dialed, if it had picked up and I ran as fast as I could. I ran towards the man. And right when I got past him, he, it was like a split second that I felt like maybe a little bit of relief that I passed him. I could see out of my peripheral vision. I passed him. And all of a sudden he just grabbed me by the neck and I just completely closed line to the floor, hit the floor. And I remember being like in complete shock. My phone mm. flew out. I went, I landed straight on my back, completely knocked the wind out of me. I couldn't believe this was happening. And they say, you know, that you, that a lot of people will, will fight or flight, but a lot of people don't talk about a third option freeze. Mm. So many people freeze. And that's 100% what I did. I don't know how long I froze. It could have been, you know, a couple seconds could have been a minute. I have no idea, but I totally froze. And when I came out of the freeze, I did something that I had learned when I was 12 years old in a basic self-defense conversation. It wasn't even a class. It was a church event that a lady came and spoke for five minutes on safety. And then 10 other ladies spoke five minutes on how to change a diaper, how to make bread. Like it was just like these little skills that they were giving us. I was only 12 years old. And I remember when, when I was in that class, I was like, this will never happen to me. And I don't even think I listened to the lady, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, years later, her voice comes into my head mm -hmm. and it was yell your name and your location. So I started yelling as loud as I can, Robin Williams, Canyon trail. I'm being raped. Robin Williams, Canyon trail. I didn't know mm -hmm. if my phone had picked up 911, but I knew that there were people down the trail. Mm -hmm. So I started yelling as loud as I could. He picked me up and started taking me off the trail kind of into the woods. And I remember, again, her voice came and said to me, never leave the location that you are attacked. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I, if I had yelled for help and then I left, he mm -hmm. took me somewhere. Help was no longer coming for me. Mm -hmm. So I did whatever I could to get back onto that trail. I, he picked me up and I just kicked and scratched and threw dirt in his eyes and spit and slapped and headbang And like, I, I just just picture a big, huge, like trying to hold a 300 pound fish. I was just twisting and turning as hard as I could. And, and it works. He couldn't get me more than 10 or 15 feet off the trail. Mm -hmm. He had to put me back down on the ground because I was just flailing. Mm -hmm. And we struggled for a really long time. And what I teach women is how to fight back because what I was doing was trying to get away. And it was, it's not the same. And I was getting totally injured and totally beaten up. And I was unsuccessful. And there were so many times I would 
stand up and he'd yank my ponytail back to the ground or I would, you know, try to turn and run and he would slap me across the face or like, it just, I was getting really beat up and, and I wouldn't just actually... run like how many miles yeah. before that? Yeah. I had run oh like gosh. four to five miles before that. So I, um, we struggled for a long time. He kept trying to get into his backpack. And I remember thinking like, whatever's in his backpack is not going to be good. Cause he would like try to hold me down and get into it. Mm-hmm. And so I would like kick it or throw it or do whatever I could. And there came a point where I was really not able to, to do much or so I thought, and he sexually assaulted me. And after he was, he was laying on top of me. And I remember I was, I, I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. And he grabbed me with one hand again and started strangling me. And I was starting to lose, lose consciousness. And as I was kind of like blacking out, I remember thinking specifically, like, I hope my parents find my body. I hope my parents find my body. Mm. And he was able to get into his bag and he pulled out a knife and he pressed it into my throat. Like he was going to slit my throat. And I took my two hands and with all the energy left, I just pressed my hands against his hands so he couldn't push the knife in any further. And I said a quick prayer and I said, Heavenly Father, please help me. I need help right now. And almost immediately the thought came to me, go for his groin. Mm -hmm. And as he was laying on me right then, he had kind of shifted weight. And I I felt like that would be a perfect time for me to go for that. And as an 18 year old girl at the Mm -hmm. time who had never seen a groin, I was like, no heart path. But I knew, <laughs> yeah. I knew that's what I had to do. And so I don't know exactly what I did. I grabbed, twist, pulled, I don't know, but I went for his groin. He let go of my throat. I was able to sit up. And again, I was told go for his eyes. And so I stuck my thumb straight into his eye and gouged as hard as I could. And he finally hit the ground. I was able to stand up. And as I went to run the final time, he grabbed my arm one last time. And I remember being like, this is my, this is my last chance. Like if I get back down on the ground, it's over for me. And I flipped around and not even realizing what I was doing. I caught my two fingers into his mouth and fish hooked him and his cheek split and he hit the ground. And I ran as fast as I could down the trail I was they say adrenaline is a crazy thing I swear I was running a four minute mile Mm -hmm. all the way down the trail and as I come down the trail probably I've been running for a mile or two I see Casey the longboarder who had gone in his car and had left like an hour earlier and he knew my name and he was yelling at me Robin Robin stop what's going on and I'm completely you know not fully clothed bloody banged up and he I I thought there was two of them. I was like, I saw him get in his car and leave. Why is he back? Like they tricked me. There's another person here to hurt me. And so I said, I don't trust you. If you're here to help me, throw me your cell phone. So as I was kind of backing up, he threw me his cell phone. I called 911 again, who had actually heard everything. My phone picked up the whole entire attack. Um, They had men running up on the trail on foot. They had cars on patrol cars on the trail, but like, there's lots of people on the trail. So they're trying to push people off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they actually would have been there in about five minutes had I not gone away. So I, I went, I met up with the police. They took me in the ambulance and then Casey, the long border, he actually helps the police, um, kind of show like, he was like, cause at this point my attacker saw that I had like met mm-hmm. up with Casey. And so he turned around and started running into the mountains and was hiding And Casey was so brave and was able to show the police where he was. And they were able to get him um, into custody. And it was cool because Casey had gone all the way down to lunch, was sitting with his fiance and was like, hey, I have a feeling I need to go back up the trail for one more longboard run. And she was like, absolutely not. Like, if you leave, I'm going to be so upset. There's no reason that you need to leave me at lunch. And he got up and left and Mm. he he was able to, you know, help get this person in jail. And and so it was crazy. My attacker um, had just been out of prison for four prior um, sexual crimes. Mm. He had checked in with his parole officer that morning and then he had hitchhiked down to the city where I was at. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, He ended up getting a 15 year to life sentence. He gave a full confession that, his plan was to keep me as a sex slave for months and months and months. And then eventually he was going to kill me and bury my body. And he gave a very, um, very descriptive, it was very premeditated. He had shoelaces that he had tied together in his backpack that he was going to use to use as a noose. And it was, it was insane. It was insane. He had Halloween masks in his bag that he was, I guess, trying to put on the whole time, trying to get in his bag so he could conceal 
his identity. And, and so, yeah, he ended up getting um, 15 years to life here in the Utah state prison. And from that day forward, I just wanted to learn everything about self-defense, everything that I could have done better, everything that I did good and everything that I could do to help other women. And not just this situation, like I don't teach just about, you know, running, hiking, crazy people on trails. Like I teach about everything self-defense and especially where I'm a mother my biggest thing is to keep my kids safe. And, and so I, I teach a ton on just kid safety and everything safety. So for the last 13 years, I've been doing it full time and it's my passion and I absolutely love it. Wow. What a story. And thank you for sharing all of that because it makes you think when you listen, you're like, you know, I, I loved how you shared honestly, like when that um, when you were 12 years old and you heard about self-defense, you're like, oh, this is never going to happen to me. I think so many of us just kind of passively think that because maybe we yeah. live in a safe area, you know, even what you were sharing, being in a safe area. Like, I think it's just so um, eye-opening and such a good, like, it kind of shakes maybe some of our belief of this will never happen to me or, you know, whatever. And right. and I think getting to hear stories from people who are just like us to think, oh, okay, I need to be aware of this. And so that kind of leads to my follow-up question that I was going to ask from that story is, why do you believe it's important, especially for women, to take the time to learn about self-defense and safety? I mean, I don't think anyone would not be convinced after hearing your story, but I'd be curious what your answer to that is. My answer to that is a couple different things. The first thing is, is that even though we may want to believe it's not happening as much as we think or it's never going to happen to us, it is. Like Statistics say that one in four women will be sexually assaulted and college age women are 10 more times likely. That's actually false. That's just what's reported. Mm. I myself have spoken with thousands of women and I've had probably close to a thousand women come up to me and tell me they were sexually assaulted or molested or raped and have never reported it. So it is not, it is not one in four. It is way more than that. Um, It's happening. It's happening in safe places. It's happening, um, all over the world. And it's even more rampantly happening. Like, you know, children and teens are being sexually assaulted or abused by our close circle of friends and family. Mm -hmm. And, and so I feel like it's sometimes easier to just be like, Oh, that happens in movies or that happens on the news every now and again. But especially me working in this field, it's insane how many women have experienced something similar Mm -hmm. and, how rampant it really is. And and that's not to say we need to be scared and anxious, but we do need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Like I tell women all the time, if you had a safety toolbox mm-hmm. and you had something happen, would you want to open it up and have nothing in there? Or would you rather open it up and have mm-hmm. all these different things you could do to help you or your kids? Like you would want to be prepared. Yeah. So my motto is be prepared, not scared. That's what I teach women is, Hey, I hope this never happens to you. I hope none of these things ever happen to you or your kid, but if they do, you're going to be prepared Mm -hmm. and these tools are going to help you uh, even give you a better chance of it not happening to you or your kids. Mm -hmm. Like self-defense starts long before you're actually in an altercation with someone. Mm -hmm. It starts way before someone ever stalks you or robs you or follows you or attacks you. It's it's way before that. It starts with the simplest thing as awareness Mm -hmm. and just having like the mentality of like, Hey, I'm not the exception to the rule. This can happen. I need to be aware. You're already keeping you you and your kids way safer. Yeah, that's so good. So good. And so thank you for sharing some of those um, actual pieces of information too, like this, the data too, because that's really eye-opening and especially knowing it's underreported. I think definitely um, not only eye-opening, but even thinking through, you know, is it better to be to be hopeful that it wouldn't happen to you and just think, oh, well, you know, or is it better to be prepared? So I love that motto too that you have. Um, yeah. And on a, on that same note, what we were talking about, just even thinking maybe it wouldn't happen to me or it's just this thing that we see on the news sometimes. I wanted to also ask, do you, are, are there any common misconceptions that you've seen women have when it comes to self-defense, you know, either defending themselves or these altercations that they hopefully would never find themselves in? But maybe one of those would be that we don't believe it would happen to us. But what other misconceptions do you see women have when it comes to self-defense or when it comes to learning self-defense? Yeah, I see a lot of misconceptions and a lot of women telling me specifically, like, I'm not strong enough to fight back. I'm not big enough to fight back. I have an injury. I'm too old. I'm too young. Like the misconception that like they they would be helpless. Like if something were to happen to them, they really couldn't fight back. And that is a misconception. Like 
for sure there are are things like a man can go to the gym and you know strengthen his arms and overpower a woman but what i teach women and girls is do the things that we are on an equal playing field with that man so a man can strengthen his arm and his legs but he can't strengthen his esophagus his eyes his groin so you're not we're not going to swing and punch and try to you know, punch and kick them. We're going to gouge out an eye. We're going to collapse a windpipe. We're going to go for their groin. Like what makes you equal as them? Yeah. He might be stronger than you when it comes to his arms and legs, but he's equal on, on certain stuff of the body. So the misconception, especially, um, in younger girls is that they wouldn't be able to physically fight back. And I just, we start at a really young age to start empowering them, like give them the confidence and the courage and the empowerment. They're like, yes, you can. It doesn't matter how small you are. It doesn't matter how, whatever you think you can, you can fight back. You can protect yourself. And then we give them actionable things to do so. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer? Upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. I was also going to ask, too, speaking on that a little bit more, you talk a lot about awareness. And so as if that's kind of the foundational or most important concept or, you know, contributing factor when it comes to staying stay, staying safe, can you dig into that a little bit more and offer some practical ways we can be more aware? I love what you shared about kind of leveling the playing field when you're actually in an altercation. But even just before that happens, let's talk a little bit about practical ways we can be more aware and prepared. Yeah. So the first step of awareness is understanding and coming to terms with the fact that 
this could happen to you. You are not the exception to the rule. So I have met a lot of women who don't feel the same as me in terms of self-defense. And they say, well, I'm really spicy or I'm old. No one ever attacks old women or I'm a professional runner. So I run all the time. I've ran 20 marathons. So I am safe on these trails. So first, just changing your mentality that like, hey, it doesn't matter who I think I am or what I live in the safest place in town, whatever. I'm not the exception to the rule. These things can happen to anyone. So once you have that mindset, then you can be more aware. And I teach in my course about the five levels of awareness. And so kind of a quick little tip, quick little tip on this is I teach awareness in terms of like driving a stick shift. So you're going to be in neutral most of the time of your awareness level. Now there are definitely times and places where women are more vulnerable. So you need to upshift your awareness. So for example, you're walking out to your curb at 5am to take out your garbage can. It's pitch black. You need to upshift your awareness. You need to look around, make sure no one's out there, be a little more aware, take your garbage out, get back in your car. Then you shift back to neutral. You're safe. When you're driving through a ATM to get out money, that's a place where you're more vulnerable. You upshift, be more hyper aware, and then downshift. When you have your kids in the grocery cart and you're taking your groceries out to your car, you definitely upshift. So, so think of it like that in terms of like, you don't need to be in this high, high state of awareness all the time, because that's actually, if you stay in high, high, high awareness, you start getting paranoid and anxious and nobody wants to feel that. Mm -hmm. So if you can just understand, Hey, I need to be a more at a higher awareness level in certain places that I am more vulnerable then you upshift. And then when you're back to a safe place, you come back to neutral. So you're not anxious the rest of the night or the rest of your day. So just, just think of times that women are more vulnerable when you're pumping gas late at night at your car, you're more vulnerable. When you're on a date and you've never met this person for the first time, you're more vulnerable. When you have your kids, like when you are out with your kids, whether it's at the park or a grocery store, like you have to be on your best game. You cannot be on your phone, check an Instagram, be distracted. Like if you're going to take your kids out at the park, like put your phone down and watch them. Mm. Um, I'm the mom at the park when like I going to play with my kids at the park. Um, I do not get my phone out. Like I watch my kids. I see. And I mean, I'm a business, I'm a businesswoman. So I could be sitting there checking emails, you know, working on Instagram. I have three other businesses. Like that's totally a time where I'm like, it's hard for me not to pull out my phone and work. But listen, my kids are running around. I have four little kids. They're little. I have a one-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old, eight-year-old. Like, And there's people I don't know all around me. Like, I've got to watch them. So mm-hmm. you you have to have hyper, you have to be higher in awareness and things like that. If you're running alone, you need to up your awareness. You need to take a few extra steps to be more safe and aware. So that would mean telling someone exactly where you're running and when you're going to be home. So if I choose to run alone, I tell my husband, Hey, I'm running three miles. It takes me 30 minutes. I'm going to be home at three o'clock. So when three o'clock comes, he calls me if I'm not home and I can check in. Oh, I decided to run an extra mile. Or what if I'm not okay? Then he can take the next step to come and find me instead of 305, 310, 315. Like that time matters. Mm -hmm. I'm running alone. I only listen to one ear pod because I need to be able to hear is there a bush wrestling behind me? Is someone running behind me? Is there a car near? Is someone else yelling for help? Mm-hmm. I dress a little differently when I'm running alone. Um, and so there's just like little awareness and prevention things that you can do. And and I have so much information on my Instagram where I drop safety tips twice a week that you can just watch little videos. And then I also have a huge course, you know, with 18 videos that goes specifically into depth, but just shifting your awareness will greatly help you be more prepared. So I get to work with local law enforcement here in Utah and several of the officers that I work with also work at the state prison where they talk with the the people who have done the most heinous crimes, committed murder, all the most terrible things. And they've asked them like what did you look for in a victim? What what were you looking for? And most of the common answers are we look for someone who's really distracted like on their phone, has no idea if someone's following them. You look for someone who looks like they won't fight back. So someone with who who is exuding low self-confidence. So shoulders down, head down, not making eye contact. Or we look for someone who is lost. So when you're out and about, you want to stand up tall. You want to roll your shoulders back. You want to put your phone down. You want to make eye contact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, a big thing is a lot of crimes are typically out of windows of opportunity. 
So you are walking late at night in a parking lot. You have your head down. You're looking at your phone. There's a guy there. Hey, he wasn't planning on doing anything tonight, but he sees a window of of opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So just by looking at someone or dressing them, like looking at someone in the eyes and saying, hey, you're making me uncomfortable. Back up. You immediately have eliminated mm-hmm. surprise, right? They and now you know what they look like. You've come across as very strong and vocal. You look like someone who has a lot of confidence. You're going to fight back. That actually goes a long way. Is the way you present yourself and your body language can really ward off a lot of people and a lot of potential predators. So mm-hmm. being aware of your surroundings, standing up tall, looking confident, putting away things that are distracting, and just kind of being on your A game when you're moving into those thoughts that are a little more high on the awareness level. And then always remembering to come back to neutral. You don't have to live in a state of fear or panic, um, but you do have to know and be okay with saying, Hey, there are some things that I'm going to be doing day to day that put me more at risk. And so I'm just going to upshift and be aware. And then I'm going to come back to my normal state. I really appreciate those like specific examples because I do think it can be something where when you are trying to be more aware, like you shared, it can turn into like, you know, panic or becoming paranoid. Mm-hmm. And my, I was going to ask you, like, how do you do that without being overcome by fear or anxiety? But you kind of answered that really clearly. And I think thinking through what are the situations I'm most vulnerable is such a helpful question to ask. And even some of yeah. those examples you gave about eye contact and body language, it, it's, it makes so much sense. And having that insight is so helpful because it's just those are small adjustments that we can make that can make us, even in vulnerable situations, appear less vulnerable. And exactly. that's a huge tool just to start with that. So I'm really appreciative of those specific examples. I was going to also ask, especially when it comes to dating, you shared this uh, as an example when you were explaining all of that. And I wanted to circle back to it because I think this is certainly a question many young women are asking. Well, women of all ages, honestly, but when it comes to staying safe while dating, what can that look like? Especially like you had mentioned, if you're going on a date with someone you've never met or you don't know very well, or maybe you met online, like it's just interesting because in today's world, you know, we're meeting up with people or women are going on dates and may not actually know the person or have a personal connection. So I'm curious right. what you would say, you know, to that. Yeah. So I have a whole module on dating safely. I'm really passionate about that because I, I get to work with a lot of youth in my community that are dating, but I also have two older sisters, 35 and 38 who are divorced and they're back in the dating scene and they've had some pretty scary things happen to them. And so this is, this is really important. You're right. Like back in the day, I feel like when we were all dating, like you kind of had more like ties with people, like people were setting you up from church or school, like you had a a tie and now like everyone's dating online. That's just the new way, but it is a lot more dangerous. So here are some tips. If you're, you know, young dating, or if you're entering the dating scene later in life, no matter where you're at is the first thing is go to a public spot for they we actually recommend the first 10 dates and i know that's like some people are rolling their eyes like oh my gosh i'm 40 years old i'm not gonna you know go to a public spot 10 times but guess what for real there are creepers out there and you Mm -hmm. you never want to take a date back to your house or their house until you know how you feel about it so i had an older like my older sister um got back into the dating scene and like the second date, she ended up like, hey, come into my house and we'll cook dinner. After the second date, she was like, oh, I got bad vibes. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, pursue anything with him. And now that guy knew where he lived and he started stalking her. Mm-hmm. And they ended up having to like get the police involved. And she's like, I just wish I would have never known or never let him see where I live until I was like sure about it. So mm-hmm. always meet in really public spaces. Don't go to their house. Don't take them to your house. Because what if you do go on that first second, third, fourth date, and you just get those vibes where you're like, uh-uh, this is, I don't want to mm-hmm. pursue this anymore. You don't want them to know where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is drive yourself to the date. So there are so many stories of women, you know, off on a date who are like, the date didn't go well. And then I had to get in the car with him and I felt really uncomfortable. And then obviously if he's driving, he has to take me to my house, which breaks rule number one. Mm-hmm. Um, And then even more horrific things happening in cars. You know, you don't have any control when you're not in the driver's seat. So drive your own car. So, hey, let's go to dinner. I'll meet you there. Drive your own car. So then after the date, whether it goes good or bad, you get into your car safely and you drive home. Mm -hmm. We're actually teaching women. um, 
and, and this is funny because I have two girls and I have two boys. And so I, I want my boys to be gentlemen. I want them, you know, to open the door for the girls. And one of the things that at least I was taught growing up was like uh, something that was really nice that gentlemen did was walk you to the door. Mm-hmm. But we are actually not teaching that in women's self-defense anymore because there have been so many incidents of women being walked to the to their door and then the men pushing them inside mm. and then bad things happening so so what i teach is actually ask your date to just watch you walk to the door so if you don't feel comfortable just being like hey i'm i would just i'm going to walk to the door if you mind just staying in the car and watching me and like if they're like weird about it or like get snappy like that's a red flag already mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but hopefully they respect that and be like Oh no, I totally get that. Hey, my mom taught me the same thing. Like I'm going to teach my boys, like after your date, like if they're in the car, which technically, hopefully they've driven themselves, like ask them if they want to be walked to the door. So that's another tip. Another tip is asking for their number and not giving out yours until you feel super, super comfortable. That gives you more control. Like if, again, if the date didn't go well, then you don't, you don't have this guy calling and texting and bothering anymore because you have his number, you're kind of in control, Mm. but just be really, really careful on dating apps and online. Like it's so easy to be someone you're not online. You hear so many stories of, you know, people who are 80 years old and saying that they're these young bucks, but Mm -hmm. I would say the most practical, um, first step is do not go to their house or do not take them to your house until at least date number 10. Hmm. Um, and, and if you can date in groups, like I know, like I teach our youth and they all roll their eyes. Like, uh, my mom says the buddy system, but I'm like, listen, no one's ever out, outgrown the buddy system, date in groups. Hmm. And then the more that like go on double dates, triple dates, date in groups until you really, really know this person. Then you can start, you know, um, kind of dating less in groups, but that's, that's, there's always more safety in numbers always. Yeah. Really good practical tips. That's so helpful. I really, I mean, I didn't even think about why you wouldn't have them walk you to your door or pick you up. Yeah. You think about those things being so like traditionally gentlemanly or whatever. And right. now that you give those examples, I'm like, oh my gosh, those are even opportunities of vulnerability. So that makes right. so much sense. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Another question that I had too, is I know in your course, you talk about how to yell the correct way. And I'm, yes. I'm just curious, what, what does that mean? Can you explain a little bit of context around what it means to yell the correct way? Yeah. So yelling and screaming are not the same thing. So how many times have you been outside and you heard like some kids goofing off and screaming? Mm. Pro- probably a lot of times, right? Yeah. Like you could be near a park or something. Mm-hmm. Um, screaming can sound like you're goofing off, having fun. But how many times have you been outside and you heard someone yelling, help, I'm being kidnapped. This is not my dad. Hopefully mm-hmm. you haven't heard that, but if you right. did, you would react different than just hearing like kids screaming. Right. right. And so yelling, obviously making any noise, if you're, you know, being assaulted or attacked or followed or, or whatever, making any sort of noise is great. So I've done this big experiment where I've talked to hundreds of kids and women. And I ask them the same thing. I say, Hey, if someone were to pick you up and take you, like they're kidnapping you, what would you do? And there's been an array of answers, but most people will come to the conclusion that they would make some sort of noise. And I'm always like, that's awesome. Great. Any noise you can make, you know, could scare off the predator or alert someone. But I say, show me what you would do. And 99.999% of people will always go, "Ah!" and they'll scream. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, okay, yeah, like you made noise. That's awesome. But I want you to yell. I want you to yell call to action words. Ready? Go. It is always dead silent. Mm -hmm. Nobody can naturally just yell their name, location, and what is happening to them. Honestly, I have video after video after video of doing this um, experiment and people will totally choke up. They can't even make a sound. Mm -hmm. And so you have to actually be trained on how to yell. So then I say, okay, listen, that happens to everyone. We're going to try to yell. The reason we want to yell is because that can alert them exactly what's happening. So they don't have to think like, oh, does someone need help? I'm not sure. Like they know immediately your name, your location, and that you need help. Ready, go. And so for 30 seconds, they practice it. And you practice that over and over and over. And so this is especially important for kids. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I practice with my kids probably, I don't know, every three months. I have kind of like landmark times. Like when we go back to school, that's a really good time to talk about all the 
you know, back to school things. And that's one of them. Um, but they love it. I say, okay, for 30 seconds, ready, go. And now my nine-year-old is like, oh my gosh, mom, I know I yell words, but like she can do it now, but almost anybody can't. So practicing that it's, it's natural to scream. It is not natural to vocalize your name, your location and what is happening. And so again, if, if you just scream or make any noise, that's great. But wouldn't you want to have the best possible chance. Mm-hmm. And so if you know to yell your name and your location and exactly what's happening, that's just the next level up. That's just, it's so good to teach our kids that. And it also empowers them. Like when you get to sh- yell your name and your location and like, Hey, you know what to do if someone does this, they're empowered. So I have a lot of people who ask me like, when you talk about this with your kids, like, doesn't that make them like scared or anxious? And this is kind of what I always say. Listen, the more you know about something, the less anxious you're going to be. So I, I was a professional dancer and I don't know, Jordan, if you've ever danced, but let's say you've never danced. <laughs> no. and, and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> Ballet I want you to five. Come to this. Does that count? <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. But what if, what if I asked you to come to like a professional hip hop class with me? Mm-hmm. How would you feel? I would just watch you. <laughs> yeah. You probably yeah. wouldn't participate, but you'd probably mm-hmm. feel like anxious, nervous, hesitant. I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Scared. But if you were a professional dancer, Jordan, and you had experience and I asked you to come, you'd be excited, empowered, prepared, ready. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with self-defense. The more we educate, the more we talk about it, the more we prepare our kids, then when they have those thoughts in their head, like every natural kid will, like what would happen if I'm kidnapped? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be overcome with fear and anxiety. They're going to have actual tools. Oh, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. My mom says you yell mm-hmm. and my mom says you gouge your eyes. And, and so then all of a sudden the feeling goes away from anxiety and it turns into empowerment mm-hmm. because they know what to do. Yeah. Um, and so the more you talk about it, shockingly enough, and the more you teach, the more empowered you become. And it's, it, you don't typically feel anxious, you know, mm-hmm. talking about things because you're giving solutions. Mm-hmm. Your kids are naturally going to have these thoughts. Like, what do I do if someone tries to take me? What do I do if, you know? And so if you give them the answers on things they can do, don't you feel like they feel more empowered than scared? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it also, it brings up the awareness too. And I also, as you were sharing that description of what it means to yell the correct way, both for kids and for, you know, adults, it made me think, wow, like what a wonder it is. Like, and like a miracle it kind of is that in that moment that you went through that and you hadn't heard of it since you were 12, you hadn't been like practicing Mm -hmm. it. It sounds like, like it's actually such a big deal that you even like were able to do that, you know? Um, It is actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. Even just the exercise you shared. I mean, I probably wouldn't think to, you know, when I think about it in actual practice, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I would have responded that way either. I'd probably just scream. So that is really interesting. Okay. I just have one more question and then we'll wrap up. I won't take your entire day, but this is so fascinating. You know, I think a lot of women, and you touched on this briefly earlier, so I want to circle back to it. I think a lot of women may be discouraged or worried that their age or their physical abilities or their size could keep them from being able to really defend themselves. And so you touched on this earlier, but I'd love if you can share your response to that and how you might empower someone who's believing that. Yeah. So I would, you know, if someone came up to me and said, exactly what you said, I would look them in the eye and say, that is not true. You are way more powerful than you think. That is a story you're telling yourself. Do you know that you have the capacity to keep yourself safe and you have the capacity and awareness to fight back? And you might not know this, but your own body can be used as a weapon. You don't even know, have to know how to punch and kick and, and be professional boxing. Like I can teach you five simple things right now that you could leave with that you could actually be able to fight back and, and defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Obviously you never want to use these unless you, you need to, but that's not true. And, and us as women, we just kind of are born that way. And then our culture kind of emphasizes that, that like we are not powerful and we are not strong and we, you know, we couldn't. And that's, and that's false. Mm. And I want you to know that what you're feeling, I felt that too. I totally was raised thinking that I, I wouldn't be able to ever fight back or protect myself. And I'm here to tell you that you can, Mm. and I did, and I'm going to give you all these tools, um, to help you today to make sure that you know that you have everything you need. And then we're just going to keep building upon that. And we're going to just put more tools in your toolbox. That'll make you feel more confident and it'll make you feel more prepared. And then you're going to feel empowered and then you're going to feel confident. And then by the end of this, like you're going to feel like a badass. Mm, I love it. I love it so much. Okay. 
Robin, where can everyone learn more from you if they want to take your course, if they want to follow your tips on social media? Can you uh, tell us where to find you and your program? Yeah. So my name is Robin Warner. And on Instagram, I am a fly on my wall. That sounds like totally random, but it just kind of encompasses who I am. You'll see, you'll literally be a fly on my wall. I share everything safety, everything mom life, everything entrepreneur, but a fly on my wall every Tuesday and Friday. I do tip Tuesday and fight back Friday. And I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos. You can just scroll through, um, even like just text tips, things that you can actually put into practice, like immediately, very, very basic, immediate things that you can do. So just, you can go through the rabbit hole of my Instagram and find that there. If you want to dive in deeper, my course is called safe by Robin safe stands for self-defense awareness, fighting techniques and empowerment. Mm -hmm. And you can just go to safebyrobin.com or my, or you can um, just click the link in my bio. My course is 18 short to medium length videos. It's five hours of instruction total. And you have lifetime access to this. I recommend if you have daughters, you take this alongside them. Mm -hmm. It's a great way for you to empower and educate yourself while teaching your children. Mm -hmm. Um, And it opens up really, really great conversations. So I have a lot of women who say, I was never taught this. So how can I teach my kid? Or I don't feel empowered. How can I teach my kid? Or I've told my kid 10 times and they won't listen. And almost every mother who takes this along their daughters or even young boys say, Thank you. Like they, we had the most awesome conversations after, um, cause you could even just ask them after watching a video, like, Hey, what did you think about that? And then all of a sudden a conversation happens. So, um, you can binge watch the course. Like you could literally take it in a day. It's five hours, or you could just do like a movie a day, a movie a week, take it slow, a movie a month. You have lifetime access. Um, and I, I just think it's really important that we educate ourselves. And I would love Jordan to give your community a discount for my course. If they want to use um, code, let's just do she, S-H-E, they can get $25 off the course. Awesome. That's so generous of you. And it's already so, I think, you know, fairly priced for such value that you're giving. So thank you for that. You guys go check out Robin and everything that she shares. I literally found her page and I was like, this is who we need. So go check it out. Check out her course. Take advantage of that discount and really equip yourself. I Really, really encourage you not to pass on this opportunity. Robin, thank you so much for being here and for everything that you've shared with us today. Thanks for having me. It's always just, I'm so blessed that I get this opportunity and I'm really appreciative. Thank you. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.